uh, Peter uh, wrote this letter approximately A.D. 66. Nero was the emperor of Rome at that particular time. He was a very ruthless, he was a very evil person. Uh, the things that he did were uh, just beyond the pale. They were, they were terrible. His persecution that he uh, gave to the Christians and to the people at that time was, uh, was really bad. Dehoff's Bible handbook states that the Christians at that time were being burned nightly as human torches. And that's what uh, he was responsible for. And I bring that out because uh, we're going, when we get into our uh, very first verse here, I think it helps us to understand what the Apostle Peter <coughs> is talking about. He says there in the, uh, <coughs> in the first uh, deal there, he said that uh, concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, and uh, seeing as how that the two dates coincide pretty closely, I kind of think that that's what Peter is talking about, uh, the horrendous trials, the, uh, the burnings, the, the things that, they, that Nero was doing to the people there, to the Christians there at that time. So <clears throat> considering that and everything, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what should be their reaction to this fiery trial? Well, he says that first of all, he says, do not think it strange. So the things that they were uh, facing there at that time was not something that was unusual. It had happened in the past. Uh, it's not unusual in the respect that it's to them only, but it's affecting all of the Christians that are, uh, <coughs> that are uh, living there during that period of time, not just the Jewish Christians, but the Gentile Christians as well. And even those uh, people that were not Christians or Jews that were there in uh, Jerusalem and in that area at that particular time were suffering persecutions just for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, <clears throat> so he says there that uh, their reaction then, he goes on and he says, but to rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. So these terrible things that were going on here to the Jewish people at that time to the Christian people here at this time uh, is not, the, not something that's strange. And uh, it was terrible. But uh, Peter says to rejoice to the extent that you're partaking of Christ's sufferings. So he says to stop and think. He said, remember the things that Christ went through in his uh, period of time here uh, uh, before his crucifixion. Uh, the rejection that he faced, the slurs that he faced, uh, even the, the, the horrible death that, uh, that he suffered upon the cross, uh, which was uh, something that uh, was from the Romans, and it's their, their style of, uh, of putting people to death. So uh, he said, uh, so you can rejoice to know that you're going through the same things that Christ is going through. And the thing that, uh, uh, that, uh, that they can rejoice about is that they know that it's just a short period of trial that, uh, that they're going to face uh, as compared to the eternal life that they are going to gain. They know that Christ rose from the grave. He was put to death in a very cruel fashion 
just as some of the Christians were at that time. But he says that uh, uh, the, the, the thought here, I believe, that they can rejoice is because they're going to inherit eternal life. So he goes on there, and he said that you may be, and he talks about uh, Christ's sufferings, and he said that when his glory is revealed, he said that you may be glad with exceeding joy. So the trials that they faced at that time, they were to rejoice in these things because they were going, uh, walking in the same uh, steps that Christ walked in, doing the same things. But he says, but uh, you're going to receive uh, an exceeding joy. It's going to be beyond anything that you can possibly uh, imagine. And uh, that it's going to be, uh, when you look back on it, that it's well worth it. Because it's, uh, you're going to really be happy when you get to heaven. You know, I was thinking about this. And, you know, if you had an old... Uh, wore out uh, Chevy or Ford pickup that rattled and smoked and didn't run very good, you know, and uh, you uh, somebody told you that if you'd get rid of it, that uh, if you would just sell it to the junkyard, I'll give you a brand new Rolls Royce. And you think, wow, that's a good deal. So I think that's kind of the, maybe in, in a way that this is, you know, that uh, that the life that they have here is like a, is terrible, and especially what they were facing at that time. But what they were going to inherit was uh, was far beyond greater than anything because they were going to inherit eternal life from that. Going on in the 14th verse, he talks here about being reproached. And uh, <clears throat> the King James Version uses the word reproach. Uh, the English Study Bible uses the word uh, insulted. And he says here that uh, that they're going to be blessed. And the Greek word there that uh, is translated uh, blessed is, means fortunate. So there's several different types of uh, persecution. There's uh, the physical uh, persecution. There's also the verbal assaults that they were going to face there. So uh, why then would they be blessed by doing this? He said, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. So when they go through these things then, and they're remaining faithful to God, and uh, they're doing these things, uh, being put to death uh, for their faith in, in Christ and everything, he said <clears throat> that uh, people can see that uh, Christ is alive in you, God is alive in you, that you're uh, living exactly what Christ said the way that we are to live and everything, even to the point of death, that you are a servant of his, that you're a servant of our heavenly father, that our creator. And so his words are alive and uh, God's words are alive and remaining in them and everything. And people can see that. And, it's, uh, and because of that, he said that, but on your part, he is glorified. So uh, there... Uh, this is the uh, second part of the blessing then of the <clears throat> of being fortunate that uh, Christ is glorified by their uh, their trials that they're facing when uh, people see uh, Christians willing to suffer and to die for Christ then they have a second look at Christ and they think really there must be really something to 
the message that he has taught them, that they would have that type of a faith, that they would uh, be that uh, dedicated uh, to living a good life. So, uh, and when they see that, uh, Christ would be glorified then uh, because of the work that he had done and the change that he had affected on the Christians there at that time in the 15th verse. He said, but uh, uh, some of those were uh, suffering. And uh, he tells them what they're not to suffer for. He says, uh, don't suffer. Don't be persecuted because you're a murderer, because you're a thief or an evildoer or a busybody uh, in other men's uh, matters. And uh, don't do these things. And, and what Peter is doing there, he's urging the people uh, that uh, when times get rough and people uh, start to lose their faith they begin to fall away they begin to follow after uh, the people in the world uh, said uh, he said uh, what he's encouraging them to do is to not uh, tarnish the good example that uh, some of them are setting by being faithful to Christ by falling away and doing some of these evil deeds like murder or an evildoer or uh, a, even a busybody. So uh, we, uh, it's it's important for us to realize then that uh, that we can do harm, and I I think this is what Peter doesn't want the uh, the suffering of Christ, the suffering of other Christians, uh, to be brought to nothing because there's other Christians setting a bad example. And so it, I think it behooves us to, to always set a good example. In Second uh, Peter, that we will study probably in a week or two, uh, uh, chapter 3 and verse 17, he said, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. And I'm sure that there were some that were doing that very thing because of the great persecution that they were facing, that they were falling away, that they were led away into error and setting a bad example of the Christian faith. In the 16th verse, <coughs> so if they are a Christian, how should they react to the, to the suffering that they are uh, experiencing? He says, first of all, he said, let him not be ashamed. So we must always uh, never be ashamed to, uh, to bear the name of Christ, to always uh, uh, to stand up for Christ and stand up for what is right, for what the truth is. And uh, no matter what the cost is to our own life, is that uh, we don't want to do to hang our head in shame and to fall away from that. So it should be uh, a source of satisfaction. Uh, I think Daryl said last Sunday there about not using the word pride. You know, we uh, maybe we ought to be proud to be a Christian, proud to walk in the steps of Christ, and maybe that's not a good word, but it should definitely be a source of satisfaction for us to know that we are following in the footsteps of Christ. And so then he goes on and he said, and let him glorify God in this manner. So we're to glorify God, the persecution that uh, that was to strike them, 
if persecution or trials, tribulations, that these things strike us, uh, we have this object that we are to do, that we're to glorify God. And uh, I think a, a really good example and, and an explanation of it is when Paul and Silas were cast into prison in Philippi and uh, they were, uh, when they were cast in there and uh, they were put into stocks and into the innermost prison and uh, they were not ashamed at all, but rather what they did, they began to sing praises to God. And uh, what was the result of that? The result was that there were people that were saved. They heard that. They, they heard Paul and Silas singing these praises and glorifying God, even though that they were being punished uh, wrongfully for, uh, do, for doing good is what they had done, and they were being punished for it. So, so a lot of times when, when we uh, do these things, uh, we uh, not to be, uh, to be ashamed, but uh, to be bold in our actions, uh, and uh, to glorify God and to praise God, uh, even though that the times that we face are hard and difficult uh, and hopefully never go through the persecution that they did. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 17, and he t saw, he's talking there in verse 17 about the, the time of judgment. And uh, I've studied this in half a dozen different ways, and and I think that the judgment uh, that he's talking about there, uh, he says that uh, it's the, the judgment to begin uh, at the house of God. It's, uh, the judgment is going to begin there with the church at that particular time. I do not believe that he's talking about the final judgment that's uh, talked about in, uh, in Revelations or that Christ even talked about there in Matthew, the 25th chapter. And he's, I don't think he's talking about that, but he's talking here about a judgment of their faith, uh, whether they were going to stand up to the trials, stand up to the suffering and the persecution that they were facing at that time. And uh, for those that uh, had the faith that they ought to have, they are going to be judged righteous. And those that do not have the faith, those that fall away at that particular time, are judging themselves unworthy of Christ. So I think that uh, this is the, and considering again that this uh, is in the same period of time within a matter of a year or so of uh, the, the persecution that's going on there uh, from the Romans and everything, I think that that's what he's talking about there. And uh, that's the judgment uh, that he's talking about is the, the judgment of their faith. And then he goes on, he uh, says this, he says, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So uh, <clears throat> if God would not spare his own people, the Christians, from this judgment, from this trials, from this persecution, uh, why would he permit the sinners and the ungodly not to suffer? But uh, they suffered as well. And especially when you consider the fact even if they did escape the, uh, the persecution there at that time, the fact that they died in their sins and everything and that there will no way uh, that they could gain eternal life having never obeyed the gospel, uh, they're going to face an eternal torment 
which is not for a period of an hour or two or uh, a matter of days, uh, but it's going to be for an eternity. So uh, that's the end of those who do not obey the gospel. But uh, the, the judgment, and we face a judgment daily uh, in that respect. Uh, we're judged by our faith. If we have the faith to walk, to do the things that God would have us to do, and to, to live that type of a life, we're judging ourselves in a way uh, of being right and, being, and following God. But if we fall away from the church uh, that uh, is being judged, uh, and uh, we judge ourselves unworthy of everlasting life. So I think that's the, the judgment that he's talking about here. And uh, so going on uh, in verse 18, and he says, uh, he talks here about the uh, <coughs> uh, who is going to be saved. And he says there that uh, if the righteous is scarcely saved. And this was a, a, a verse that I kind of struggled with for quite some time and everything. And that word scarcely be saved. And uh, in the, it's a Greek word, uh, number 3433. And Thayer uh, uh, gives the definition of it. Instead of scarcely, it says with difficulty. The English Study Bible says with labor. So when he's talking here about the righteous will scarcely be saved, the righteous will, uh, the righteous one uh, will be, it'll, it'll be difficult. There's a lot of trials. There's a lot of tribulations. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of striving that we have to do as Christians to be saved. It's not just uh, going to hand it to us. Uh, we're saved by faith and we're saved by the blood of Christ. But it still requires um, working effort on our part. And, uh, and oftentimes those things are uh, they're difficult. Uh, they're uh, very trying to us and every, on, on our lives and everything. So it, I think this gives a, a, a good look at our daily lives here and uh, uh, Peter says that uh, that uh, that uh, Satan was as a roaring lion and going around whom he could devour and uh, that was something that the Christians were facing there at that time so it was with difficulty uh, uh, with great work that they had to overcome that and to, to stay uh, faithful uh, to Christ and so so hopefully we never face that type of a of a persecution or that type of a judgment but uh, but we do have to remember that it takes a lot of work on our part of doing good deeds and uh, I'm not saying we're going to work and earn our salvation we can't because uh, we always sin and fall short but it is necessary and I think this verse really shows us that we do need to, to work and to, to, to be, uh, no matter how difficult that it is at times, uh, to do those things that are befitting to our Heavenly Father. Verse 19, or do I, I'm sorry, stay with, got ahead of myself there. It says uh, in the 18th verse there, he said, where will the, uh, uh, the ungodly and the sinner appear? So 
we know that uh, considering how difficult our salvation is, and if there's those that are sinners, that are ungodly, that never work, uh, what chance do they have? If we just have to really work to make it, and uh, what chance would they have if they never work? They're, they're not going to make it. So, so it, uh, I think it, it, it's encouraging here for us to, to know that, uh, that, uh, that we do have to work. We have to labor in, God's, uh, in, in uh, the Lord's church and everything to be active in it. And then at 19th verse, <coughs> and uh, so in doing God's will, uh, what should we do then here in the 19th verse? He says, well, we need to commit our souls to him in doing good. And that's what we was just uh, talking about there. I think that uh, agrees uh, nicely there with the 18th verse that uh, we have to commit ourselves, uh, our souls to doing good, to working, to being uh, a strong worker in the Lord's kingdom, in the, in the Lord's church here upon this earth and whether there's uh, persecutions or trials or any of these things how long that we have here we don't know but uh, we have to leave that to God but uh, we do know that we have to do what is good and he's explained uh, what is good for us in in uh, in his word and it's important that uh, that his word uh, be a, a very big part of our life and uh, to, in committing our souls to doing good, the only way we know what is good, that we completely, or we often refresh our minds on what is good and everything, is by constantly reading and studying God's Word that keeps our faith alive, it keeps us going in the right direction, uh, and, uh, and uh, keeps our faith strong that we can uh, withstand uh, Satan as a roaring lion, as Peter has said. And uh, the, uh, the, the second reason, he says, he says, as to a faithful creator. And uh, this is a, a really good reason why we ought to be doing uh, and committing our souls to God and in, in, in doing good. He's a faithful creator. We know he has created us in his image. Uh, you know, we sin, we fall short of his glory. And yet he sent his son to, to shed his blood and to die upon the cross that we could have the forgiveness of our sins. And there's never been a promise that God ever made that he did not keep. So uh, he redeemed us with the blood of his son. He's never failed us in any way, shape, or form. And uh, so he is faithful. And we can put our faith in him. We can put our trust in him. We can put our soul in his hands and trust him and, and to walk in a, in, in a manner that he would have us to walk, no matter what type of trials or persecution that we might face. So in conclusion uh, this evening, just uh, a couple more verses there. In James uh, 1, in verses 2 through uh, 4, he said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. James was uh, uh, encouraging uh, people to do the very same thing that Peter was doing, that uh, when we fall into these uh, trials and the things that happen to us, count it all joy. Be happy in that, knowing that Christ suffered and that we are uh, suffering, that we are uh, walking, going uh, 
in the same steps of Christ doing what he did. And uh, then he goes on in the uh, third verse, he says, knowing that the, the testing of your faith produces patience. And uh, the, the testing or the trial of our faith, the things that, that beset us when we're trying to serve our Heavenly Father, it produces patience uh, in our life. And then he goes on in the fourth verse of uh, James, the first chapter. He said, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So patience then has its perfect work. And the word patience there is, uh, is uh, basically the same word in uh, the Christian graces that are in uh, Galatians, the fifth chapter. Excuse me. <clears throat> the one of the words there is long suffering, and patience and long suffering is uh, basically about the same thing. We need to be long suffering when we're suffering, when we're having uh, trials and things like that. Uh, we just have to uh, be patient, uh, uh, be patient with God, and to trust Him. And then finally, uh, we studied this here uh, a week or two back, and I want to close with this with this thought here that uh, he said, therefore, in 1 Peter 4, verses 1 and 2, he said, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh uh, for the lust of men, but for the will of God, 1 Peter 4, verses 1 and 2. So he says here, uh, Peter is encouraging us to arm ourselves with the same mind. And, you know, that's probably the best single weapon that we can have as a Christian today uh, is to have the same type of a mind, to be able to think like Christ. And if we think like Christ and our mind is centered on those things, then we will naturally, uh, by nature, we're just going to follow after those things. So, we have to have that type of a mind. That's so important, and uh, we can remain faithful. And he says that uh, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We need to turn away from the sinful things of the world. And we can do that if we have the mind of Christ. That becomes much easier to do. And that we should no longer live the rest of our time to the in the flesh uh, for the lust of men. Uh, so we don't... Uh, think so much about ourselves anymore when we have the mind of Christ. Christ didn't think about what was good for him. He thought about what was good for others. And that's the type of a mind set that we need to have. And he says, and then he goes on, but for the will of God. And we know what God's will is, is that we, uh, that we remain faithful to him. And uh, I hope these things have... Uh, uh, been a benefit to you this evening and uh, the, we know that uh, we have an, uh, an opportunity at this time uh, an invitation song that has been selected if we've uh, not uh, been striving if we've not been working as, uh, as hard as we really ought to uh, endeavoring to work out our salvation with fear and trembling uh, just scarcely making it we know that it's so important that we do that. And if we fall aside and we have, uh, we need help, 
we can always go to the prayers of our brothers and sisters in, in Christ in the assembly such as this evening or any time for that matter and, uh, in, and uh, avail God on our behalf or someone here that uh, uh, needs to obey the gospel. We have an opportunity at this time uh, uh, to, to take care of that very thing. Uh, one of either case, if man, someone has a matter to bring before the congregation, bid you to come as we stand and sing the song <coughs> that has been selected. <coughs> 